Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Character Arc Podcast. I am Ted Hong. And I'm Richard Bertelson. And in this hour, we will talk about a movie we just watched. Uh, we'll provide personalized synopses, having an open discussion about it, uh, mention some changes we'd make, and end with a final thought. Today, we are going to talk about yesterday. Until a month ago, you were a complete failure. And then somehow you became the biggest star in the world. We're going to go ahead and start with a synopsis. Uh, Richard, you can go ahead. All right. Uh, my synopsis of this movie is Ed Sheeran discovers that the Beatles are better than him. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a primary character arc for his character. Yeah. He's just like, nope, I give up singing. Uh, that's far better than mine. Man gets hit by bus into an alternate universe where the Beatles don't exist and subsequently passes their music as his own for fortune and fame. It's very weird. It's very unclear what happens. I mean, he doesn't actually get hit into an alternate no, universe. No, no, he but doesn't, but it's still... It might as well be. It's still weird that... Uh, so everyone... Uh, power goes out across the entire planet at the same time for 12 seconds, I think we're told. And he gets mm. hit by a bus at that moment. And everyone forgets the Beatles exist. Except for him, and we learn later, maybe others. Yeah. Um, maybe a very select few others. Also, some other things disappear, uh, which we learn throughout the movie as kind of random jokes. Uh, which I kind of like. It was, it was nice, it was, actually. Yeah. Uh, Coke uh, doesn't exist. Harry Potter doesn't exist. <laughs> there was another one. Oasis, yeah. Oasis doesn't. They don't exist. But, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the way they did this in terms of, like, sort of the inciting incident. Like, it wasn't just some sort of cheap little thing. Like, he got shocked by electricity and right. as opposed to being shocked by anything else. No shocking. <laughs> uh, and then somehow ended up somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, no, this was kind of uh, it was different. Danny Boyle, always a solid filmmaking. Um, yeah, I kind of felt like, did you feel like he over-directed this movie I a little think too so. much? There was something odd about this the style there to this like one. Some serious, like, the camera was doing weird stuff. Sometimes it was, like, so... A very early scene in the music festival, which is the first time I noticed this really music festival that this guy is playing. This guy is kind of, by the way, our main character is kind of like a failed or at least very unsuccessful musician. He wants to be a musician, and he's just not really getting anywhere. He plays a very poor part of a festival. <laughs> I guess. I mean, like, the music was fine. I didn't think anything... Yeah, yeah, no. He can definitely sing, but when he meets the friend played by joel fry i believe you said that guy is rocky that guy is his name was rocky that guy was drunk and so i thought that that's what the movie was trying to do when the camera's like low got a weird angle on it and it just kind of makes you woozy as it's following them through the thing And i think it's trying to mimic him being drunk but also we met him two seconds ago and i don't need the movie to yeah to like get me drunk we don't really care about yeah at that point. <laughs> he's new and it does that it does a lot of like really dramatic shots when they're at the parents house and people keep coming to the door. It shoots the door through a blurry window. No, it was a mirror. So the mirror, mirror was okay. like, was like uh, misshapen in the center. Okay, yeah. Um, and they kept showing that. And I figured with Danny Boyle, he'd, he'd bring it back in some form, which he did. It's too obscure that yeah. it is the real Ed Sheeran. Right. But so. it felt out of place before that, though. I, I did get it for that. It felt out of place when just the parents' friends were coming over. Right. It felt way too dramatic for this rather simple scene. Uh, I don't know. I guess. Like, it was a nice callback to that sort of, whenever there's a guest that came through, they would be shot through that mirror. Mm -hmm. um, so it was that the one guy 
the older man, the older gentleman, older gentleman first, and then the second one was some lady. Is that right? I think it was his there was another... wife or the the, the yeah. guest's wife. Yeah. The guest's wife, yeah. And then of course round three, it's Ed Sheeran. So they set it up, but unnecessarily so. I don't know. It wasn't as it right, wasn't right. as sharp. Okay, in terms so of reaction. that's kind of my point is that this is a scene about him trying to play a song for his parents, and it's a very funny scene. He tra- he's trying to play "Let It Be" Let by it be. John Lennon. Which in this universe no one has ever heard before. Let him be. But and so, but his parents keep being parents and interrupting him with stupid crap. And his friends come over, which that was really funny when the the dad's friend answers the phone and he's like, "Oh, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, he did. He he did I, quit, but I guess he's doing it again. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> what do what you? do you know? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that was great. But. But so you have this camera trick that's used for people walking through the store. I'm not saying it's not a ba- I'm not saying it's not a good one. It is Danny Boyle's a skilled filmmaker. My point is, why did he need? Why does that much effort need to be put into this scene? It's it's almost distracting detracting from us just being comfortable with these characters and just kind of enjoying this simple home moment, which is kind of where the movie excels, in my opinion, is when the characters are just kind of natural. And they have small little moments between them. Um, the movie doesn't need to get big. And I would argue the bigger it does get, I don't want to say it gets worse, but it gets less focused and less and it doesn't get less enjoyable. It's just it doesn't excel to the same heights as when it's, when it's really funny interpersonal moments. Right. I think part of the thing, uh, part of the reason why you, you felt weird with that was um, in terms of a joke, uh, it did the, the setup. But then the punchline was like 20 minutes later because they did the setup with like the guests coming into the house. We did the shot. But it's it not like Ed Sheeran was the next person. To right. Play. Exactly. So we did the one. We did the two. And then 20 minutes later, it was Ed Sheeran. So it's like, OK, they did establish it. But that's why it, it felt a little off. I mean, that's what that's my guess. No, I can see that. Because you didn't know why he was doing it. Yeah. Until way later. And at which point it just wasn't that necessary. Right. And I mean, in terms of furniture choice, why would you get that mirror? Right? It's a useless mirror. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely useless. Uh, do I want to look at a distorted version of myself? <laughs> <laughs> if I can't tell who Ed Sheeran is. <laughs> <laughs> who will? <laughs> you want to talk about Ed Sheeran for a moment? Get into okay. it. Uh, toward the end, where his phone... <laughs> <laughs> his ringtone was his own song. I mean, how narcissistic do you have to be? <laughs> the movie does... The movie's not mean to him, but it's also not kind to him. Right. I, you know, I, I, I figure he signed up for this. Oh, he yeah, this for sure. Yeah. Um, but I love that, that he was, I mean, he's willing to make yeah. fun of himself for it. Because so. even when he was getting kind of, when he was kind of realizing that this guy writes better music than him, which, you know, it's the Beatles, yeah. uh, but he came off really petty about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And... It's like, I challenge you to a song off. <laughs> Who can write the best song in the next 10 minutes? And then we'll duke it out. And then, uh, yeah, there's no prize. We're just, uh, it's just a matter of, like, who's better. The, the, the reward is in itself. The, the reward is... <laughs> what a dick. No. I mean, he was, yeah, no, obviously he, he's, he's poking fun at himself. He's obviously acting in this. Uh, I did like when Rocky sees him on the airplane and is pretty much like... <laughs> <laughs> I he says he really likes his music. He's like, except for the rapping part. <laughs> I love it. Just like silence the plane. Everyone's like, whoa. Oh, I did want to make a note on some of the, the casting choices. 
Um, did it occur to you that Gavin, Gavin was the first producer for mm-hmm. Jack. Uh, Jack is the main character. He's the one that does the plagiarism. Plagiarism. There we go. Thank you. That Gavin looked like a young Steve Merchant. Yeah, I can see that. I didn't think about it in the movie, but I can see it now that you mentioned it. And then another one uh, was Ellie, the uh, the opposite, his, uh, his manager slash love interest, which I would really like to yeah. talk about that in a second. But she looked like Carla Gugino. I don't know who that they is. Were, you don't know who that is? Uh, she... I might know if I oh saw my God, her. Why can't but... th- I can only think of scenes right now. Uh, oh, God. Of course, the first movie I think of is the terrible one. Um, I think she was in Sucker Punch. <laughs> okay, okay. God. Uh, no, she's been in better stuff, too. Uh, it was just kind of strange to see these two uh, actors looking like... They're just lookalikes. Like more famous people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked, uh, what's her name, that played... Um, Ellie? Ellie. Ellie? Yes. Yeah. 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 She's good. I, yeah, she was great. The the two leads, are I thought, were both great. I Fantastic. mean, most of the acting yeah. was great. Um, oh, yeah. Most of what makes this movie work pretty well is that... What's our lead actor's name? Himesh. Yeah, Hotel. he... I'm hoping I'm saying that right. He's very natural. Mm-hmm. He feels like a real person. Oh, yeah. Um, and so for having such a weird premise... And for him going on such a roller coaster ride, him just being so relatable, just mostly by the way it's played, um, you can tell when he's uncomfortable in the situation. You can tell when he's happy or not happy, and in a very naturalistic way, right. it makes him feel the subtleties. Like a, makes him feel like a real person. He felt he felt sweet and kind and awkward, and it made you kind of go along for no matter how ridiculous the plot is. It made yeah. you go. You felt go, for him. Yeah, yeah. And um, so same goes for Ellie. Like. She was very similar. She, especially interacting with him, like they had great chemistry. You know, right. very was, genuine. Yeah, very genuine. She was cute, and you could under you could see how she did care for him, and how she wanted the best for him, and how she also had her own things that she needed from you know her life, uh, which was nice. So they they just felt like real people. So even though the plot is pretty both, out there both weirdly unique and kind of just a romantic comedy when you're all all said and done yeah they really made it they elevated it more than more than your average one of those but here here's here's what i was about to touch on um was that it didn't come out of nowhere because uh it was definitely hinted at in terms of uh ellie's character you can tell us that she really cared for him a little bit more than just a friend mm-hmm. and jack was kind of oblivious to the thing and that's fine but then i don't know why like i didn't feel like the transition to how it got to where they suddenly realized this was what he wanted it it felt a little forced did you did you not feel that way i did feel that way i think the reason why is because particularly when she first tells him when he's first about to leave for america when he gets the record deal and she tells him at that party i i i mean they imply that because she's had something to drink is why she's being so honest and also he's leaving the next day but it did kind of – the reason why it felt like it came out of nowhere to me wasn't because it didn't suggest it before. Because when he gets out of the car, like one of the first scenes there – not the first scenes, but early in the sh- early in the movie, when she goes out and he kisses her on the cheek, you could just see in that moment that she would have preferred like a real kiss. A real one. Uh, so it wasn't that it wasn't – it wasn't that that came out of nowhere. It's that the structure of the movie suddenly changes. Yeah. It was not – a romantic comedy before that no it didn't feel like their romantic interest in one another was the primary thing at all yeah, his the, music career was her, the primary interest her or, part yeah. of his music career because she was also his producer that was the focus and then of course the weird accident happens and then the whole beatles thing happens this seems like it's going to be a movie about 
could be a movie about fame. It could be a movie about sort of dishonesty. But it and it is about those things a little bit. But more than anything, it ends up becoming a pretty standard romantic comedy. Right. I think usually when you see plot A and plot B in some form, they do relate to each other. But in this, it's not like so plot A being his music career and plot B being the romantic interest. Mm. So with plot A, as we were just talking, it was about fame and and. Uh, what was it? Money, I guess. What was the second thing you said? I, I just blanked. Uh, out. Dishonesty. Dishonesty. Uh, because yeah, because yeah. a major part of his that character is he starts, right. he starts to it starts to eat away at him that he's not, um, which there's a lot of nice touches to that that he's not doing his own work and he starts to feel like a, a phony. Right. And even there's even like a part where it suggests he tried to after he's already getting super famous he tried to fit one of his original songs into his library of beatles songs he's taking credit for and it doesn't go well but then see that's the dishonesty part you would think that one of those two things would somehow correlate or not correlate but it would be mixed in with plot b and the romantic interest because in no way was it was it presented as if he was being dishonest to her um like you know, if you learn the lesson from plot A, somehow it affects plot B. Right. Right? But none of that happened. I mean, they they did wrap it up as if that did. But then, okay, so the resolution of all of this was that do what you love. Go after right. the thing you love, which happens to be personified, right, mm-hmm. as Ellie. But didn't he love his music too? So right, see, it just it like, that's, it, that's what John Lennon tells him is that you know John Lennon's he, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, which is weird. Why? Uh, eventually he. Uh, okay. Anyway, I'll go back and explain that if I make because I also have a question about that. Uh, yeah. Wait. Now John Lennon threw my whole brain I'm off sorry. track. Um, We're talking oh, yeah. about John okay. Lennon tells him be honest <clears throat> as often as you can and do what you love. Those are the two bits of advice he gives him, which obviously, I guess the only reason why the music doesn't count is because he's not being honest about it. But yeah, that's what that's what gets him over the edge. Um, yeah. yeah, someone plays John Lennon in this movie. It's <laughs> it, The movie weirdly justifies him stealing the music and passing it off as his own by saying, well, John Lennon didn't get shot because he was a Beatle, so he's lived his full and happy life. Well... Um, <laughs> and also people think, which actually I'm not, philosophically, I'm not against that because... If no one suffers, like plagiarism is wrong because it someone made, someone did a lot of work mm-hmm. and are, they're not getting paid for it or they're not getting credit for it. In this universe, no, he didn't do this himself, but no one else did either. So they're not losing credit. Right. So is it still wrong? Loophole. <laughs> well, okay. So they were also passing it off as like, even though he did steal it, he himself knows, right? So that He itself, felt less fulfilled right. by it. Yeah. And, but the way they also passed it off is that it was okay because he made it free for everyone. And that's, I think that's the concept, yeah. you know, with like the whole Beatles, it's like the whole Beatles. Sorry. That just felt, that sounded weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> as opposed to the half Beatles where, yeah, it's just, you know, music is for everyone. To enjoy, mm-hmm. so I think that's the that was the angle they were trying to go for, especially at the end when he made it uh, available uh, without having to pay uh, to everyone. See, I'm also kind of just of the opinion that even if he charged people for it or he may he became a billionaire, which we can go off on that. I don't want to get too realistic with this movie, but but still, even if he made money off it, nobody loses out. He even still the thing that those other two people eventually he realizes do know that the Beatles do remember them like he does. And he thinks that they're kind of, the movie even presents it like they're kind of like like they're gonna rat him out or something. But they end up thanking him because they remember and they just they're sad that there's no other way to hear these songs. So they're just grateful that these songs are there. 
So he does actually have a skill that no one else has. So shouldn't he get paid for that? Uh, the answer you're looking for is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, if the Beatles full catalog were released today, it would not be as popular as it was back then. Um, yeah, I was going to say, because um, it's, it's definitely hasn't it's of a particular era it's of an era yeah Yeah. uh there is music like that made today there's music that sounds a lot like the beatles even their like because well for one there's different eras of the beatles there's the really poppy stuff and then there's the stuff that gets progressively more sort of uh creative and abstract right which you know i was kind of surprised that they um they're not you know air quotes they weren't obscure they weren't terribly obscure but i was kind of it was kind of nice to hear them pick on those things it wasn't just their like just their you know the heavy hitters right. that everyone knows right. I feel like I'm on the fence with Eleanor Rigby, that that is played relatively a lot, but yeah. I don't think that's like one of the first songs that people want to listen to when they think it's of the not Beatles. their it's not their poppiest you know right. uh, <clears throat> it's a popular song but I mean most of their songs are, but so there's music that sounds like that today but it's not super popular it has followings it's it's indie rock yeah, it's yeah. indie pop and so that music would be appreciated but it wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the biggest musician in the world because the biggest musician in the world will would continue to be fucking pick one whether it's like Taylor Swift or like or Ed Sheeran or Ed Sheeran, <laughs> which um, I like how the movie presents it. I don't see. I know that Sheeran is super popular and I think his music is fine, but he's he's not the second biggest star in the world. <laughs> is he not? I would argue against that. Those are okay. fighting words. I mean, I think he's fine. Uh, I don't have anything against him. He has some good songs, but they presented him like he's his he's this day's Michael Jackson. I just don't think that's well, true. Well, you know, over in those parts. <laughs> I guess in England. Okay, fair enough. And he's very popular here. Don't get me wrong. He is. And I think he... He's he reached over the I pond. Just... I mean, do you know Jamiroquai? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with Jamiroquai, but... <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's talk about actually this. I think some of the reason why they picked some of the songs, they picked a lot of quieter songs and sadder songs or sweeter songs, which I'm glad they did because yes, our leading man performed those extremely well. I assume it is the actor singing because it doesn't sound like the Beatles. It doesn't. It's not really trying to mimic them exactly. It is his style a little bit, and he vocalizes. He vocalizes things like. Um, Yesterday. Yesterday, that was really, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Let It Be and In My Life. Oh, so, yes, I really like that one, yeah. So these, he does these, like, kind of very beautifully. Like, they're, they're, they're I mean, hey, these are some of the, some of the prettiest songs ever written. That's why the Beatles are as famous as they are. So it's not that surprising that, but he could sing them in a way that, I mean, once or twice I got kind of like chills a little bit. I think that there was a mistake to ever have him sing some of their more rock songs. When he sings back in the USSR, USSR. Ah, yeah, it okay. was not good. No, no. I was, yeah, I was just about to bring up that point. It's better than I could sing it, but it's not his range. It's not where he excels. And the same thing when he sang Help at the, towards the end. Yeah. These songs were, the, were they're like the Beatles are like screaming. He couldn't do that as well. Right. Now, Help... It wasn't as uh, visceral. Yeah, it didn't feel like... But when I heard Help and Back in the USSR, I felt these aren't... These, aren't, these wouldn't be popular because they don't sound like the way they sounded. Right. They, don't, they don't feel like they feel, they feel when the Beatles sing them. I give Help a little bit of a pass because I think he's more acting than singing there because the 
It's passable. He's literally making a cry for help at that moment because that's after he realizes that he kind of has, or he thinks he has no chance with Ellie anymore. And he's now been struggling with this idea that he's a phony and that he doesn't feel satisfied, even though he has everything he's ever wanted. So I think he's a little more panicked when he's singing that. And I think it's more acting than singing. I might give him a little bit of a pass, but I also, I think that's still just not his range though. It's not where he is good at performing. Uh, I think my favorite song that was, that was on the roster was, uh, Hey Dude. Hey Dude. That was, um, I was like, (laughs) yes, making it, they're modernizing it. They, uh, they've done it. At one point, he's recording Hey Jude, and Ed Sheeran suggests that it's Hey Dude, which is apparently the version he actually records and put out, puts out in the world. <laughs> I just wish that the movie had performed it for us, because I would like that. Yeah, actually, that was a bit of my problem, where they did these shortened versions of the song. I mean... It's not yeah, a musical. It's, it's, not a it's not a musical, but, you know, it's like, it, it gets you going, you're like, yeah, do more of the song. Because sometimes then, he's very good at it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, most of the time, he's very good at it. Yeah. I mean... Uh, what is it? When he first sang yesterday, he essentially did, you know, most of the song, and that was good. And I was expecting something more along those lines. You know what the difference is there? It's the title of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess let's jump on Kate McKinnon's character. Fantastic. <laughs> um, Just biting. Honestly, I <laughs> I had a little bit of trouble getting into the movie at first. It just, it was fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was smile humorous, but it wasn't laugh out loud funny and nothing, there wasn't, nothing was super high stakes. So you're just kind of like watching relatable people live their lives, which in the long run, isn't that entertaining. But once he started getting a little famous and especially people like Kate McKinnon came in, the movie became a lot funnier and a lot more enjoyable for sure. Yeah. I can't remember any of her lines, but they were just so good. (laughs) And just her delivery, uh, she is just fantastic. I really love her. She plays a music executive who is just harsh and definitely driven solely by maximizing profit in every way, shape, and form. Unapologetic. Yeah. She, when she meets him, I think one of her... Not when she first meets him, because she offers him a job at first. Oh, yeah, she says, I will... You will sit in a booth. You will record music. We will release that music. You will make all of the money, but we'll take most of it. Yes. <laughs> um, and when he goes to L.A. to meet with her, she says, can you look any more attractive than this or something along those lines? And then she stops <laughs> for a second and she says, you're both skinny and somehow round at the same time. Or when she has her, uh, what is it, her her friend, her designer friend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I can see why you two are friends. <laughs> Going from Kate McKinnon. I think the humor is a lot it's it's a lot better than a lot of the US stuff I'm afraid to say a lot I'm not saying all because uh like okay so take the 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 scene where after Jack comes out of the hospital and he goes to see his friends the humor is just a little more concise because here I got you a gift and it's just the chattering teeth because you lost your teeth i don't know and i I think why is because it feels more like the kind of ribbing you'd actually have with your friends yes as opposed to sometimes some some more bombastic comedies they're super they're either so mean that they're still funny but i mean that real people don't do that yeah or they're so outrageous that again no people don't do that so outrageous even if it's not super mean it's still just like such an elaborate joke that you're like okay no me and my friends don't we wouldn't yeah whereas this felt more like no yeah this is this is how my friends talk to me, and I talk to my friends. Right. And still, like, it was still more, it was outrageous, but appropriately so, if that can be. I don't even think that's, those two words don't go together. 
But the situation in which they deliver those lines, the lines are itself outrageous, but they fit the situation. Whereas, I don't know, you think of some of the comedies nowadays, they're like, they're just so over the top. I think that's the case. It's just mm-hmm. very to the point. Even when, when uh, Ellie goes to visit him in the hospital after he gets hit by the bus, and she kind of touches his hand, and she's like, I just need to deliver to you the news. Like, you will walk again, but you lost two teeth and your beard, and you look really <laughs> stupid or whatever she yeah. said. And it was again, it's a moment that, like, it does make you smile, which then builds the connection that you see between them. Like, you understand, no, these guys are – these two people are very comfortable with each other. And therefore, you understand when, when their romance is revealed. You're like, yeah, I get that because you've yeah. seen them be endearing to each other. And he looked pretty messed up. And she still treated him as if nothing had changed. Right. Right. Uh, the good news is um, nobody's going to pity you. Uh, they'll just laugh at you. <laughs> they'll just laugh at you. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to kind of go to change? We can do that. Um, I'll Before we start, it can lead us right into changes, which okay, one of my great, biggest great. problems with the movie is that what it was trying to say was very unclear, at, yes. least not, at least outside of the romance thing. It seemed to go back and forth between, is he a phony? Is he doing something good? Is he doing something terrible? Are, like, are we supposed to think he's bad or good? Or is it right to pursue your own dreams? Or should you just go for the small thing? Or should what is he doing exactly? Is he doing what he loves? I don't know. The movie just, it seems like for a little while there, the movie keeps wanting it. It was trying to be two things. Two different ways. Well, that's what I was saying about plot A and plot B, not really mixing together. Yeah, this is actually what I wanted to address in terms of change because it was like the way it was set up, it seemed like the primary thing would be his music career. And the second thing, yes, there was going to be a romantic interest. Yes, it was hinted at. But as it developed, it didn't seem like it mixed well. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, in some way, uh, him focusing on his music career and having to do these things, uh, having a totally different life after this bus accident and she is not a part of that, yeah, that, that's a natural progression of those two plots kind of uh, bouncing off of each other. But then the development and the resolution with John Lennon, which, by the way, where's uh, McCartney? Where's... That's what I was going to say. Those is, two uh, are still alive. Uh, I wonder if, like, do you think that they asked one of the actual living Beatles to do it and they just said no? No. Or do well, you I think, could kind of see that from... Or do you think they purposely made the point of John Lennon be, to prove he... History was totally changed, and he was alive. Right. And because of the lack of fame, the other three just withered away. (laughs) I I assume that they're not dead. They're just also living like peasants. (laughs) I'm pretty sure sure Paul McCartney lives in a flying castle somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, see, that's, that, that was, like, through the second half of the movie... I this is a personal note. I had to pee, like I was dying to just contain everything, and so it was a part of it was a little bit difficult to focus because I was just I was like oh, I can't miss anything because the last movie we saw I had to leave the theater for a second and I was like not again, <laughs> so yeah I I decided to uh, to embrace it and just be like okay it's gonna end at one point so. There was the what I presume was the darkest moment, and this darkest moment was when Jack was with Ellie in the hotel mm-hmm. um, prior to when he would have to leave. Right? It's story structure wise that makes sense because now he has he has to choose. There is a time 
limit for him to have to decide. He either goes or she or he stays. But then they did another one <laughs> where he's in the recording studio and she calls him. I don't I, I don't know. I yeah. I can emphasize that yeah, point that do, that first yeah. time even more because she's leaving on a train and in the movie legit does the thing that ends every romantic comedy which is he wakes up, he knows she's going to get on a train, he runs to the train station like trying to interrupt her before she gets on that train to tell her he loves her and then they would kiss presumably in any other movie. And then he gets there and the train's pulled away and so he calls her like this is literally the end of every romantic comedy you've ever seen. In this movie though, like everything's wrapped up. Then she's she's she wasn't gone, so they sit down, and they have a talk, but she still kind of tells him you kind of missed your chance or here's your last chance or whatever and he doesn't take it. That would be the proper So then you would think this is so yeah, either, they're either going to fix this real soon or the movie's going to end with them not together because this is how a movie ends. This the, everything you've shown me in the sequence him running and trying to catch her in the big dramatic music and them having a the talk this is near the end of the – this is the third act. Right. What you expect in cinematic humor. Yeah. But then there's like another 45 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I can sit through this. Which I think it's fine. I mean, I know you had a particular issue. The movie never bored me. Um, I don't think the extra time was a problem. I was still – I still enjoyed the characters enough that I was fine with the movie. It's, uh, But it felt very strange, though, to realize that, that was, it wasn't wrapping up. Right. So that that would be my biggest problem is that it it fizzled out and I feel mm-hmm. like that's a common problem with movies. It's like you know the first act is great, second act is great, but then the third act is like trying to re- resolve everything. It doesn't quite mesh. I mean, especially so with John Lennon's words of wisdom. Right. <laughs> Got it. I think he whispered <laughs> words of wisdom. <laughs> um, yeah, because that comes out of nowhere, and it is. Trying the, uh, this movie especially because the movie again it's it's trying to have different themes about doing what you love, being honest with yourself, pursuing your dreams, having a small and simple life. These things don't all agree with each other, or you can argue that they do if you perceive them that way. But the movie doesn't get us there to understanding how how he perceived them that way, and that's why he feels the way he feels. Like this movie could have been a movie about. I guess it was a movie about him being honest with himself, but also he—I don't feel like he was. I feel like I feel no. like he was. I feel like he was already being honest with himself. Music was his whole life. He may also feel like she could be that too. But I think the change. Uh, see, I feel like some of the changes I suggest might be cliche, but in the sense of like for him, it was as most people when they think about a music career, they think about the fame, right? It's not necessarily the content. You could make the the whole conflict or the concept would be what is really important. And you, you could, if you had used that, it could still be Ellie as being really important Mm -hmm. because she had stuck with him through thick and thin. Um, Music is still very important to him. And that way, when he resolves it and he kind of relinquishes the music to everyone for free, it also makes sense because it's not necessarily about fame anymore. Yeah. Right. And even at the end, they do show him still singing, just to like kids at the school she works at or whatever. Maybe he also works at now. Yes. So it does. He still does love music. He just doesn't need it to make him rich and famous. It would be nice to see maybe him still trying to pursue harder. Him writing his own original music though, because obviously he yeah, liked expressing liked himself. Yeah. And I think that's a part. Anybody who does creative work like that, it's it's it's. I think it's often because you need that outlet. You you have feelings inside of you that you need to like express in a certain way. And so I don't think that 
I mean, he may still be doing that in a simpler way, but it didn't really show me that. I think he still needed to write his own music and perform. Uh, his it own could music. have been that, yeah. Uh, instead of just doing another Beatles song, even um, if he eventually did something that, because he was in a happier place with her, that made him better at doing that or right. whatever, you know. I think what the movie wants you to think it's showing you is that he had this big dream. He was never going to be that great at it, and so he can still have a happy and fulfilling life. It would just be he just has to go. He just has to take a different direction with it. Right. But the movie doesn't really show that, though, because it shows him be super famous. And (laughs) and so he could also be happy that way. He could have continued to lie, and he would have been happy. I mean, he would have been eventually. Um, I think that's (laughs) why— Just give it time. (laughs) Well, because he could could make his life whatever he wants to make it. Right. And I would believe more if he he felt the dishonesty in him or the hollowness if she were around him more. And she drew that out of him, but she, the problem, one of the problems with the romantic comedy part of this movie, is that once he gets the deal, he moves sixteen hour flight away, and any time they're in the same place together, is super forced. He doesn't go. He doesn't meet her again where they have their kind of little almost white one night stand because he goes back home. Right. He goes to Liverpool. Which, if you're familiar with England, is nowhere near London. It's almost as far away in England as you can possibly get and not be in Scotland. Right. So, <laughs> it's... And she just was there. Yeah. She came... I say, okay, I wouldn't say that was forced. She had done that intentionally. But... It's just that He wasn't this, on tour or anything. How did she know he was there? He went... famous. How did they... How did, okay, so they kind of established that in the beginning when, she, when he first arrived at the airport, that there were already people waiting outside yeah, the airport yeah. for him. So, it's not... It's not Absurd no, to think it's that there's that connection. That she would go there, but I'm just saying, my point is that they're not around each other. The next time they interact is when she calls him just to tell him she has a boyfriend, which I get why she would do that. She even says why she did it because she doesn't want him to hear from someone, someone else. Someone else, yes. But you could, there could be a world where like he went off to America. He's in America for like three months. He comes back to Liverpool. They see each other for maybe like 16 hours. Okay. And then he goes away, then. Three months later, she calls him and says she has a boyfriend. And then when's the next time they see each other when he releases his album? So, like, another six months later. It's like, they're not a part of each other's life anymore. Right. And I don't, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't still have feelings like that. I'm not saying that. But it makes it hard for him, for her to be his arc because she's not really a part of his life. Right. If she had gone with him. Yes. If that's she a change, had. I would have made a change where she, she yes. either went with him or he, or his record deal was. Certainly, there are record producers in London. <laughs> it doesn't have to hop the fence that far. Um, yeah, that was going to be one of the changes because I too felt that it was a little strained. But I can understand where why she did that. She knew where he was, and she decided to go mm. all the way over there. It's it's almost like the other side where um, you never see like some friends like, oh yeah, go after him, go right. after her. You just see the end result mm-hmm. um, from his perspective. Uh, so that, that didn't bother me as much. Uh, I can see that them being there in Liverpool together, but yes, I did feel like every subsequent scene where she did not go with him, it was just going to be like some sort of forced interaction. Yeah. I guess I don't think it was unnatural or forced for the characters. I think it was forced for the plot of the movie more, more so that like, you're really trying to make it so these people are a big, very important part of their lives, but they, they're not. They're not around each other, and it just would have been so... that going to change. It's like, that's what I would have changed. Either right. she would have gone with him, or he would have stayed in London, and again, London, London, like, 
I know people say like New York is the capital of the world. Well, London's pretty much the same, <laughs> um, almost more so historically speaking, because British people have a real knack for ruling places. <laughs> um, but I, I get, I get that the point of it to some degree was that he, he got this opportunity and therefore he had to leave, which, which shows something that happens in people's lives all the time. You you get that new job or this new opportunity or you meet someone and you marry and then like your other friends or your old acquaintances and stuff, you're not around them anymore. And then they become a less important part of your life, not intentionally, not because that's what you want, but just because of what happens. But you could have still shown us that if he was in London, if he were stayed in London and he just got busy because he was recording right. stuff, because he was making commercials, because he was designing the album, because he was getting all, all the stuff he was doing. He didn't have to be physically far away. Right. And in fact... The being physically far away made it harder to understand why why the movie was focusing on the romance so much. Yeah, instead of his his internal conflict. I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna reference a movie that is not for Western audiences, but it is essentially the same concept. Um, as I was watching this, it reminded me of a movie. I'm gonna say the Chinese title. It's called Xia Luo Tufan Now, which is not even translated in English to Goodbye, Mr. Loser. The idea is that. Okay, so the idea is that the guy, he's in a very unhappy marriage, and his old high school crush is getting married. And so he goes over there, and um, later his wife comes chasing after him with a knife, like saying, what, uh, what are you doing, and all that stuff. And he hides in the bathroom, and then he ends up passing out. And then when he wakes up, he's in his high school years. But because he goes back in time with all the knowledge that he knows, now he's also a musician. He's an aspiring musician, but he's just never had a good break. So what he ends up doing is that he sees his high, high school crush. Uh, he tries to woo her by doing all these songs. So taking famous musician songs. Oh, from the future. Uh, from the future and applying it to where he eventually becomes famous off of their songs. Mm-hmm. And actually, as it, like, it, it spans up to like 10 to 20 years from high school to when he's an adult. And it's essentially the same thing where he becomes so disillusioned and he realizes all the good stuff he had before. I'm assuming this is what Danny Boyle was trying to do. Like, okay, so... In that Chinese movie, he realizes that he really did love his wife. Mm. And his wife stuck with him through thick and thin. So much that she put up with a lot of his bullshit. And it's the same thing with this. You know, know, she tried to say, you know, you had 20 years. And he's like, I was seven. (laughs) (laughs) That was good luck. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, when, uh, when she's kind of telling him that it's too late, she just makes the point that... Why right now? Like, you... it's She was always there for him. She was always his biggest supporter. She always drove him around and did everything he needed. And so for him to just realize it now seems kind of weak because it's just because he's feeling weird or whatever. It's not because he came to this conclusion himself because he could have done that 20 years ago, she says, and he makes the point that I couldn't make my move at seven. Yeah. (laughs) So she cries herself to 10 years years ago. But yeah, it's a, I feel like I would almost suggest you to watch that movie, but it's, you know, there's a bit of a language barrier and some of the references are kind of off um Hmm. so but it is at its core the same movie if not i would argue that it was done better yeah no i'd have to argue that because the for this like the 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 plots were just not they didn't kind of go in concurrently yeah everything didn't build towards the same theme they were just a little haphazard so yeah um and i'm sorry if i butchered up the man the mandarin 
I don't know. Yeah. But well, our listeners might. Yeah, exactly. So I apologize. I apologize immediately. Please comment below. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell Ted he's not good at being Chinese. Uh, I speak Cantonese. So, <laughs> Then why are you trying to speak Mandarin? I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the movie I would maybe tr- I don't have an I don't have an actual example of make this happen. Right. I wish the stakes felt more pressing in the movie. Mm-hmm. It like again I was never bored in this movie because I like the characters so much and they're sweet and they're funny, but it never feels like oh no bad stuff's happening. It just kind of feels like oh yeah sometimes you have a bad like it felt like watching <laughs> like it felt like some it felt like watching regular life, and I think Danny Boyle's too good at that like is that he he directed actors and act, actors performed and he shot and edited a film in a way that felt very genuine and like a real life thing but watching if you watched me in my everyday life or i watched you in yours 99 percent of that would be super fucking boring because our lives are just we fucking we talk with our friends and it's funny for us. Says you. No, just... <laughs> like we talk with our friends and it's funny for us, but it's because we've known each other for a long time. And yeah, you may watch and it'd be like, oh, they, those people really like each other. But you wouldn't find us super fucking hilarious. Right. We go to work. We work for eight hours or more. And then we come home. We eat. <laughs> and I'm not saying the movie does that. I'm just saying the movie never feels like something very terrible is on the horizon right. or something very exciting is on the horizon. It's just... It's watching someone become steadily more successful and have a falling out with someone he probably should have recognized he was in love with a long time ago, and then it ends. I think the one thing, it's if they had kept it into the geographical location, they weren't like, okay, yeah, go with that, Sharon. Go to Russia. Um, Yeah, that was just a tour. Yeah, that's a tour, right? These little things, sure. But then making it so that he can't leave or uh, if he goes, he can't come back mm-hmm. for uh, an extended period of time. Like going to the U.S. for three months, as you had said. Um, I think that would have added the stakes. It would have upped the stakes because he is now locked into a position to where he cannot go back. Whereas he had more options before. And she wanted him to stay now. So having that been the, the point, instead of just going back to do a record uh, recording session, yeah, I think that would have been it. Mm-hmm. He still comes back and he does. It goes to the the hotel. What was it called? The Port Hotel, something like that. Something like that. Who cares? Yeah, and yeah, he still goes back. That that's where they did their first show, mm-hmm. or at least attempted to. So that's kind of cool. Um, but I think if it were shifted a little bit, I think we would have felt the stakes a little bit more. Yeah, I think so too. A lot of stuff's very sweet. Like actually, it just reminded me of the. It kind of does little flashbacks, but not like prolonged scenes, but just kind of like real quick images of them. It does show them trying to play at the hotel a long time ago. And, it's very endearing. It's very, like, I believe that they love each other. It's just, it just never feels super important. Can we talk about some small characters? We mentioned before we started recording Gavin. Yeah. Um, Gavin is, at some point, Ellie, just, Ellie tells uh, Jack that she's in another relationship. And it's with Gavin. Gavin's not important. <laughs> but then later, Gavin, like, also, you'd think that that would add conflict, which it does upset Jack. But then when Jack confesses his undying love for her in front of a massive sold-out Wembley Stadium. Gavin's just kind of like, okay, that's fine. You can have <laughs> I <her."> always knew. <laughs> it's like, I knew I was always second. But then 
Gavin is instantly apparently fucking the other friend, so Gavin's yeah. fine. Gavin's, I mean... He just, like, takes two or three steps back and puts his arm around another girl. <laughs> right. It's like, well, why even have that be a part of the movie? Because nobody's upset about anything. There's no conflict. It's literally just... Yeah. It doesn't serve any purpose. It's just so unnecessary. And also, I Gavin think... is just fucking, like, he's... Look, Gavin's fine. Gavin's a nice guy, but... He has no real distinguishing personalities. The movie does present him as somewhat of a nerd. He looks somewhat like a nerd. and Don't you insult Stephen Merchant. But it's not Stephen Merchant. But also, yes, though, that too. If Stephen Merchant were just could instantly be in a relationship with the nearest female, you would probably be like, that doesn't seem like something Stephen Merchant can do. That's <laughs> awful to think. What? I mean... You never know. He could have such a fantastic personality. He seemed cool. You Gavin know? didn't seem cool, though. He has his own recording studio. Next to a train track, which is stupid. That's just, you know, that's just for branding. Like, the movie, here's the thing. Gavin wasn't in the movie enough to know about him that much, but I feel like the, the movie suggested that he was a little silly, at least. I don't know. I, I, I beg to disagree. The train tracks represent his inner soul, just <laughs> fleeting. All of what he wants is just... <laughs> I think here's the thing. I think Danny Boyle was just subverting expectations because when Ellie revealed that she had been dating Gavin, they did that quick shot where he's standing in the hall. And all you see is a silhouette, mm-hmm. right? And she's sitting on his or on her bed making that call. It makes it seem like, oh, like it. I mean, if you were to presume anything with like cinematic grammar, it's that he's now scheming something, right? Yeah. Right, and I'm gonna right. ruin this. But he doesn't. Literally nothing comes of his character. Yeah. He just, he's there so that she can tell Jack, like, more definitively that she doesn't want to be with him. But then, also, he's not important. Like, she can also, it's almost the same as her not being in a relationship because when she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore, it's super easy for her to say and super easy for Gavin to accept. Right. Well, okay. So, So remember the part, uh, it was at the hotel and he was in his, uh, whatever, his dressing room. She comes in and she's like, "I gotta hurry up and say all these things before before Gavin." Gavin. Yeah, um, and which also this is suggest kind of makes her a bad person a little bit because she doesn't bit. like Gavin very much, but no. she's still with him. Yeah, I think she's confused. I think she had just this huge flame, and she's trying to move on. She does like this person. She's burying Gavin's she's, dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but in that scene, Gavin comes about, and this is where I was expecting Gavin to. I don't know, play some douche card. Because that's what you would expect. Either confront him about it or be passive-aggressive in some way. Yeah, in some way, right? But none of that was presented at that time. I mean, I know you know this. I'm just putting it out there. But like the whole whole thing that makes movies interesting or any story and any medium is that characters are at odds. It doesn't mean they're enemies or they hate each other. It just means they want various different things. And it's that conflict that makes you engage in a movie. So for a movie to have this whole thing that can be conflict and it just isn't just doesn't make any sense i mean gavin's just an all-around nice guy i don't know why you would want to write him as a as a terrible i think that if you want to respect gavin (laughs) as a nice guy then he's not in the movie at all (laughs) or he's from existence or he's only the producer at the beginning and he never plays a part romantically with. but then he becomes nothing i think gavin's nothing (laughs) gotta say i don't think gavin's important 
to anyone except for his new girlfriend maybe we don't explore that enough though but he does just right where does she like, come from i'm going to love this guy now and gavin's like okay i'm gonna love her and yeah. she's just like okay all right give me that big <laughs> arm of yours it, it's kind of weird because actually before we started recording we were looking up the cast and i was like who is this person because i don't I, recall i do think you saw her only once in ellie's apartment or house right that was she's the, the one who says i'm planning a play right i think that's who that was the one that we didn't know yes but the other the, but other the other woman that we were confused and thought they might be the same person she was just that other guy's wife or huh? girlfriend there there, there was someone a, who was blonde and then there was i don't know who was in ellie's house looking at I think that was the one. Found who was, out. I think that's who was Gavin's eventual girlfriend. You think? For I don't think that so. Was, she was only in those two scenes where she says, "I'm planning a school play," and then and she's looking at a bunch two of pictures hours later of kids. In the, yeah, <laughs> two hours later in the movie. Like, oh yeah, this she's good. fucking Gavin. <laughs> okay, we've talked way too much about Gavin, <laughs> but <laughs> he's he's in the movie for 15 minutes. <laughs> He's so he's, important. He's such a nice guy, though. <laughs> How could you want anything to befall him? But Jack's a nice guy. Uh, I mean, except for all the lying, I guess. <laughs> and the but here's, here's Jack's problem. Jack could tell someone the truth. In fact, he tries too many times. But because the Beatles don't exist, people just don't believe him, which would be the case. I mean, yeah, he could just not play the songs. But he definitely can't explain to people what he's done because people... It's like explaining to a blind person what purple is. Like, you just can't do it if they were born blind. Right. Like, even if you, because of the way you describe purple as well, it's like blue and red together, but they've never seen blue or red either, so it doesn't help. <laughs> it's how, you so know, I, aubergine, I, you know, how that smells. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, oh, I was just moving on to kind of wrapping up, I guess, by bringing Jack up, which is that. I don't know. I mean, I wish he had a better. I wish it was clearer what his problem was and what he needed to yeah. do for his art. That, the central conflict, yeah. But <clears> him <throat> uh, and Ellie are great characters, really well played. They feel like real people. The movie's sweet and the movie's funny. It's just, it all feels so unimportant at times that it's not something you're going to go back to again and again. Right. It was, uh, I don't know. I think on a. I don't want to use the word superficial, but on a superficial level, it was just, it was still nice to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And I think that's kind of what people want. They just want to enjoy something and have that nostalgic feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. So the movie theater that we went in, this is the first time that it was completely packed. They were all 75 years old. Yes. Plus, actually, I like the woman I was sitting next to. She was very pleasant. After you went away well, during the trailer, <laughs> we actually had a did conversation. You, did you Gavin her? No. <laughs> We were talking about like uh, different Beatles um, okay. songs, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, no, there's another one across the universe." Did you see that? It is and he's like, "Oh no, I've never." It, it is actually kind of cool because it, I mean, it's it's also almost cheating, which is that these songs are so important to so many people, and they are very good songs that they do carry you through parts of the movie without the movie yeah. having to do very much. Yeah, but that that you know that that's the that's the thing that people wanted to go and see so yeah absolutely um and it's nice. it was nice and it I was think, pleasant yeah, i was, was never very bo- pleasant. like yeah i <clears throat> mostly enjoyed myself yeah yeah um yeah. it's you could 
you could go on a date and see a movie like this, and you again, you neither of you may watch the movie again, but you'll probably smile and come out feeling nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, and to that, I think it achieved its aim. Um, Gavin existed. That's just Richard's problem, though. <laughs> Telling you, you will forget Gavin exists until he comes back into the movie towards the end for no fucking reason. It's like, who's that guy again? Oh, oh yeah, he was the he was the producer, right? I, ah. the, the movie even reminds you the movie the, when he comes back after an hour. Oh, they do. The, they're like, the you're the producer who did this. It's yeah. like, yeah, you have to remind us, yeah. don't you? <laughs> Kevin's been too busy just fucking his way across the train tracks. Uh, any any final thoughts? Yeah, that that's it. Um, I Gavin. I I'll get you a bumper sticker. I would probably if I don't know if the soundtrack has Hamesh, is that his name? Yes. Uh, Patel? Yes. If the soundtrack had him playing some of these songs, I'd actually I'd like to hear that. Yeah. He does a nice job. He does a nice job. Yeah, see that's what I was saying. Like I wish the songs I mean, yeah, I understand. In the story you don't have to play the whole song. It just would have been nice. You just wanted to because I nice. wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me live this, please. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, final thoughts. Yeah, I think the biggest problem was that when it got to three-quarters of the way, and I felt like, where is this going? Otherwise, very, very enjoyable, very pleasant. Um, yeah, we, you know, we've said pleasant a lot. Pleasant. Kind of what it is. Pleasant. <clears throat> a plethora of it's like when you see. It's like when you finish mowing your lawn, trees. and you kind of get that weird... Sp- minor satisfaction you're kind of like yeah it looks nice but then also it's not important and you don't care i thought you were going to say something about like (laughs) how your lawn now smells that's kind of i mean that's you like that's what i mean it's like it's something that makes you feel good for a moment but it doesn't really change your life in any way says you let's wrap this up all right let's wrap this up so last week we had a what we're now calling uh bastardized movie plots so uh, Richard threw one out last week. He said, Pale Dude discovers a culture that has existed thousands of years, brings it back to his people, and totally fucks it up. Richard, what movie was this? That movie was A Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Jack Skellington. The movie is moments away from raping and pillaging, really. Rape and pillage. The two main But this time, of... Ted's going to give you one that will reveal uh, next week. Yes. So what's your bastardized... My bastardized movie plot. You ready for this? Hipster writer moves to Hipster Village for Hipster Life. Ends up sweet-talking an inspiring actress into tricking a dignitary for money, ultimately ultimately leading to her death. Guess this movie. All right, guys. Uh, so feel free to comment anywhere you can comment. That could be Facebook. That could be characterarc.net. Um, take us out, Ted, with the rest of the places we can be found. <laughs> No, no, no. Spotify. <laughs> I don't know. Where do Apple we publish Podcasts. this? <laughs> Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Um, 